good morning. My name is Randy, uh, and I'm the teaching and prayer pastor here at the Vineyard. Uh, we have a chance to pray for Nick, our youth pastor, this morning. Nick's going on a mission trip, uh, leaving tomorrow. So I just wanted to give him a chance uh, between 30 seconds and 40 minutes, closer to the 30 seconds, to share what he's doing, and then uh, we'll pray for him. Thank you, Randy. Front and center. So ever since a couple years ago, there was someone here at the Vineyard, I'm not going to say who, just in case they don't want to be recognized, but I was walking with a crutch because of a rock climbing injury that I had received. He saw me in a Kroger, he asked if he could pray for me right there, he prayed for me, and the next day I went on a run. Uh, yeah, I was healed. I went back to the doctor, got an x-ray. And they're like, yeah, there's no more fracture in your heel. <laughs> I know. It was incredible. So ever since then, I've been fascinated with, like, okay, we've got a God that heals. He does physical healings, like right now today. And so uh, the Lord has seen that desire in my heart, and he specifically called me to an area that I know will equip me in physical healing. So I'm heading to Brazil with a guy named Randy Clark, and uh, it's I leave in the morning, and it's a trip where they're going to be equipping us in the area of praying for physical healing, and we'll just be praying for lots of people at different churches, and uh, a lot of people here are on my uh, financial and prayer support team, and if you guys would just be willing to pray for me while I'm over there. Uh, specifically, I'm coming into this trip uh, already quite low on energy, uh, and so that, I don't know, I just have a really great night's rest, and the plane ride can be smooth, but just that I can just recover in the time between now and uh, when I arrive in Brazil, um, just ready, you know, not jet lag, but jet jet bounce. That's what I'm <laughs> praying for. Yeah. All right, great, thanks. Uh, any elders or staff members, if, you, if a couple of you guys would come forward and pray for Nick? Um, come on. He'll be gone for four years. I uh, know, uh, one week. <laughs> yeah, just a couple of you guys pray, and then I'll, I'll close us. Why don't you put your hands out as we pray for Nick? Dear Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the man that Nick is. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for his passion for you and his passion for this church. And we just say, Lord, let us go with him. Let us go with him in prayer. Let us go with him in just spirit and let us cover him while he's gone. And Lord, we just ask for incredible supernatural experiences and that he just see you in all he does. God, I ask that you would give him the energy that he needs, Lord, that you would give him so much energy that they'd be like thinking, wow, where, what is going on with this guy? He's like the energy energizer bunny. <laughs> Lord, I pray for just, Lord, that you would give him, you, that your favor would rest on him, Lord, and that the hunger in his heart to learn about healing, Lord, your healing power on the sick, that you, Lord, would grant him the desires of his heart. We just love you, and we thank you for Nick, and we thank you for bringing him to us to care for, even while he cares for us. And just love the fact that that you just that you draw him so 
fiercely to yourself, and he responded to pursue you with all of his heart and all of his mind and all of his strength. And we just bless you, Nick, in that. We bless you to be filled with overflowing. We bless, we bless your spirit to be one with Holy Spirit and to receive uh, all the Father has for you in your time away. We bless you with energy and uh, and, and new, fresh vision and uh, just to, to come back and and to give it away to our youth yeah. and, and to this body of believers in Jesus' name. Nick, as uh, they were praying, I saw you, and not claiming a big prophetic word, I saw you by profile, and you've got a strong face, and I just saw this uh, rock cliff, and the Lord said he's steadfast. And um, 1 Corinthians 15 came to mind, um, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your work in the Lord is not without fruit. So, God, we pray for the steadfast, immovable nature of Jesus himself to be within Nick, to stand firm in whatever may come, whether it's uh, difficulty or joy, that he would uh, be bursting with joy in your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thanks. Woo! All right, why don't you stand? for a minute and say hi to someone around you, either that you've never met or whose name you have forgotten. Okay, you can uh, find your seat again, or if you didn't like your first seat, find another one. Lots of room here in the front row. All right. Okay. You know, uh, if God's doing some good work back there and someone, if a couple of you guys would go to her and, and pray for her, maybe go back into the prayer room or even into my office over here and just pray for God's grace upon her. God, we bless what you're doing right here in our midst, that you would bring your love to our sister, that you would care for her, bring your redemption, your light. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, last week, uh, we talked about uh, the heart of the shepherd king, and um, we were in Ezekiel 34 and talking about the way that God blesses um, his people as a shepherd. This morning, one of our elders, Linda, uh, sent out a little Facebook picture. I personally am not on Facebook, so I wouldn't have known it, but I saw it, and it was a picture of a, um, of a skier in New Zealand and this skier was uh, skiing down the hill in New Zealand, and he was carrying a sheep <laughs> in his arms. 
and I am a skier, and I'm just picturing the awkward nature of this guy's traverse down. And uh, Linda, I love it, she says, this is the great skipperd. I'm a dad. What can I do? You know, that's all I got is dad jokes. I personally loved it. Praise the great skipperd. The heart of the shepherd that we talked about last week, the heart of the shepherd, just to summarize, is the shepherd, Jesus, our great God, so moved by compassion, not just feeling, but compassion moving towards action, that he himself would go after the lost, that he himself would bring back the strays, that he himself would bind up the broken and the wounded, and he himself would strengthen the weak. That's the heart of the shepherd that we love and serve, the one who called us, each of us. Even if we're abandoned or abused, this shepherd king, he comes, he draws us close, he lets us lay on his breast, he speaks his words into our ears, we hear his heartbeat right next to us. He feeds us by his own hand, and so that we will know his voice. If you weren't here last week, that's the whole sermon. It took me 35 minutes to say that. <laughs> but that's the heart of the shepherd. This week, and I promise I really didn't plan it, I'm going uh, with a series of uh, scriptures that kind of God ordains. It's Psalm 80. And Psalm 80 is the shepherd of Israel. And what we see in Psalm 80 is the face of the shepherd king. So we were with the heart of the shepherd king, and this morning we focus on the face of the shepherd king. So I'd invite you, there's not a lot of scripture on the screen. If you've got a Bible or a device, open to Psalm 80. Psalm 80. Open the middle of the Bible and then count backwards or forwards. Psalm 80. Psalm 80 highlights the shepherd of Israel and specifically where we'll focus the cry of the sheep of this great shepherd. This is our cry. This passage describes not just God, the face of the shepherd, but us as we look for him. And here's the refrain, and you'll hear this a bunch of times in the next 20 minutes or so. Here's the refrain of the psalm. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. <clears throat> you know the power of a face. You know, when you see someone's face, you can tell. I can remember as a small kid, if I saw the disappointment on my, my mother's face, man, it, my heart just went. Phew. You've seen anger on a person's face. You've also seen joy on a person's face. When I walk in because God loves me best and my grandchildren see me and they light up and I kneel down and put my arms out and they run to me, I'm done. Not just the hug, but the face. I see their face. I'm happy to see you. I'm so glad you're here and they have no idea, but I hope they will sometime how I feel. You know, we even use faces after we've already said words, right? I think they're called emojis, <laughs> right? So we text words, and then we have to say, in case you don't know, you know, what I'm saying, it's this, or whatever, you know. The face is one of the most visible and important parts of the human body because it communicates something that's inside a person. The, the person who can give a face that doesn't relate their emotion, they're called scary, 
right? Because you look at the face and you think, I don't know what's going on here. And you're like, uh, I don't know what to do with this. Because I'm used to being able to see what's in your heart by looking at your eyes and your face. Think about the difference between thinking of someone, texting someone, writing someone a letter, calling someone on the phone, FaceTiming that same person on the phone, and then actually being present with that person. I mean, it's, it's a gradation of intimacy, power, closeness, communication, sometimes fear, right? Man, it's one thing to text or write or FaceTime. It's another thing to be present with someone, like in their presence and feel all of their energy. It's beautiful, and sometimes it's scary. I wonder if we want to be that intimate with God, if we want that much to know the face of God, not just text him or write him or I, a thousand analogies there, but to be in, in his presence, to have his eyes and his face shine upon us and really see into our hearts. Advent is a time that we wait, we expect, we hope for the coming of Jesus the Messiah, we're waiting for the face of God, the presence of Jesus, like right in our midst. God so close that we can reach out and touch him. Psalm 80, sorry for the happy people in the room. <laughs> I, I promise I'll turn at some point. But Psalm 80 adds a note of desperation to the Advent waiting hope and expectation. It keeps us from the premature celebration of Christmas. There's a reason in God's sovereignty that he gives us four weeks before we celebrate Christmas just to long, just to hope, just to wait. And maybe in the midst of that to realize that we need to reflect on God's presence in the midst of our own troubles. God's presence in the midst of what you see out there in the world. It is so hard to open the news. I'm doing this because I see it on my iPad. So hard to open the news and then close the news and feel hopeful. It's really tough unless Jesus is here, unless God has some plan and he's in control. So I'm going to read Psalm 80 this morning. Uh, it's a little bit long, but if you don't mind, would you stand as uh, I declare God's word to us this morning? This is from Psalm 80. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You've fed them with the bread of tears. You've made them drink tears by the bowlful. You've made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. 
The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand. The son of man you've raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. God, that's our prayer this morning. Restore us. Lead us back to you. Lord God Almighty, make your face shine on us this morning that we may be saved. Amen. You can be seated. For fear of what you might say after I say this, I'll say it anyway. It's almost like that's enough. <laughs> I mean, you hear the cry of God's people. You hear what God has done. You hear their experience in the midst of God's power. And then you hear the plea. And you know, because we know the rest of the story after the cross, that the great shepherd's going to come. And he's going to do it all. And then he's going to come again. And he's going to consummate the whole kingdom. But I got 18 minutes left, so... Psalm 80 is a song, which I will not sing. It's by a person named Asaph. And we know it's a song because it says, sing this one to the tune of Lilies of the Covenant. Anybody know that one, Kara? Wouldn't it be great to have that music? That'd be awesome. We don't know, but we know it's a song. And if it's a song, then here's the refrain. Here's the chorus. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. It's a cry for deliverance. It's a hope for God's presence. It's a desire that God's power comes, his affection comes, and his action comes on our behalf. A couple of definitions before we go further. That refrain, it says, that we may be saved. In the context, what that that we may be saved means is that we may be liberated. Literally, it means placed in freedom. I love that image. If you think about someone in a jail cell and someone plucking them out of the jail cell and placing them in freedom, you know, four by four, eight by eight, expansive. That's what the psalmist is praying for. When it says, make your face shine on us, it shows the shepherd king as the source of salvation. And really, if you think of the glow of the sun the glow of Jesus, it's hope. It's all about hope. You know, you're in a tough time and you see someone you love. You look in their face and you think, okay, it's going to be okay. <sighs> if you're here, I'm all right. And isn't that the cry of God's people? If you're here, then I'm okay. The face of God, when we hear the face of God, there's lots to study on this and I've done some and there's plenty more. But the face of God marks his attributes. So you look all through the Old Testament, even the New Testament, and you see the face of God in various scriptures. 
the psalmist or the writers are talking about the attributes of God because the face represents the being. So if we can see God's face, we know who he is, is what the scripture says. He's present everywhere. He's all loving. He's all powerful. And then there's just one more pattern I want you to notice before we go through the sections. Pretty briefly, I admit. The names that the psalmist uses to address God, they change. If you read in your Bibles, you see, first the psalmist says God. And then, it, and then, and then he says God Almighty. And then he says Lord God Almighty. And, you know, God by the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. He can be trusted to be pretty meticulous with his wording. Inspired, this psalmist says, God, that's Elohim, sort of the generic word for God. God, like God, the one who created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1. God, restore us. Make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. And then, as increasing desperation comes, he says, God Almighty, like God, Sabaoth is the Hebrew, like Hey, big guy. Hey, God, the one who created everything, but also the one who has all the armies of the world. God who can bring victory in any time. God, that's who I'm talking to. I, I need you to restore us. God, will you make your face shine on us so that we can be saved? And it's like he gets to his, his ultimate desperation. And he says, Lord God Almighty. The, the, uh, the Jewish people won't even say this word, Yahweh. The covenant God, the God who not only created and then can redeem and bring power, but the God who has such a love relationship with us in Jesus that he can say, I'll be with you forever. So the psalmist says, Lord God Almighty, man, we are desperate. We really, really need you. Bring every one of your attributes, bring all of your character and restore us and shine your face upon us that we might be saved. No matter what life looks like, no matter what your life feels like, no matter what your life is like, you can call out to God and ask him to shine his face on you, his attributes, his love, his power, his action, so that you would be saved. Because the face of God is our hope. May you track that all the way through to Jesus. The face of God is our hope. So these first verses, if you're back in Psalm 80, I'm not going to read through each one, but just highlight a couple of things. The first verses address the shepherd king. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Asaph, in place of us, is asking for God's leadership. He's saying, you're the shepherd of Israel, lead us. We know that you have all power because there you are seated between angels in heaven. We know that you've created all the, you know, tribes, tongues, people, nations of the earth, but we need you to come. I mean, it's pretty bold for Asaph to say to God, hey, would you wake up? But do you ever feel that way? Hey, God, by the way, I'm still here, um, Time to wake up. Bring your power, because I really need you. And so he asked the shepherd king to reveal his glory and his power. 
you know, we long for God's power and his presence. I think we long for it purely but ignorantly early on in our lives with Jesus. I can remember first year of seminary in the, you know, 1800s when I was back there, 1990s, and we had this prayer for revival. So every Monday night, some of us, you know, the really passionate ones, we'd go to the chapel. You know some of those people, Hannah Wells. And we'd pray for revival, and there was this one guy, like, good Lord, you know. I mean, passionate. And I was all in, praying for revival. God, bring your Holy Spirit. I mean, I really wanted it. Here's the thing I didn't know, how clueless I was, how much I needed God. I didn't know my capacity for good in the kingdom, and for bad. And so in the process of my crying out for revival to God who wants to bring it and sees my heart, I needed to learn how to cry out to God. Oh God, Lord God Almighty, I really need you to come. Restore me. Make your face shine onto me so I can be saved. It's the place where I first read the little booklet called Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And that has been a theme, more like a calling and conviction in my life for years, that I would learn how to live in God's presence. Really knowing who he is. And you know that you know, you know that you know. The more you know God, the more you realize you, you don't know yourself. Because you come before God and he reveals some stuff in you. Um, the theologians, not me, but others, use a f- fancy Latin phrase for this? Does anyone want a fancy Latin phrase? Thank you. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> Coram Deo. It just means before the face of God. Some people would say that the main, uh, the main uh, message of the Christian life is Coram Deo, that we would live before the face of God, that everything we do, we would recognize here we are before God's face. Here we are in God's presence. Here we are before God's loving and powerful presence. To live coram Deo in the presence of God like the psalmist asks for is to live with intimacy and love, affection and nearness. You know, we're the vineyard. We love all that, right? Yes. But to live coram Deo before the face of God also means reverence. It also means holiness. It also means conviction. It also means repentance. You know, when the psalmist says, restore us, the Hebrew word for restore is the word for repentance. Now, does God need to repent? I don't think so. So who's the repenter? Oh, that's us. What the psalmist is really saying is, God, turn us back to you. Not just come and make us better, but turn us back to you and shine your face on us so that we can be saved. Coram Deo means to live a life of integrity, wholeness that finds its unity in God's majesty. You know, you see something amazing and all of a sudden your life feels small before it. That's us before the face of God. It means that we live not just by principle, which is fine. Principles come from the Bible. That's awesome. We're not called to live by principles. We're, we're called to live by presence. We're not called, you know, like, oh, there's a, I mean, many books have great principles. The 
the people may or may not know God. I, there's, you know, all truth is God's truth. Great. But we're called to live by his presence. If God's here, everything changes. And so he says, restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. No matter what your life looks like, feels like, no matter what your life is like, call out to God and ask him to restore you. Ask him to turn his face upon you, to shine his attributes, his power, his glory upon you so that you may be saved. Um, many uh, in the church throughout centuries have said that we're not converted just one time. You know, we talk about, when did you come to Jesus? Well, I turned from my sin and I came to Jesus and all was, well, whatever, right? But we need to constantly be converted. We need to turn back over and over and over again. And so I think that's what he's saying here is, God, restore us. Help us turn back again and again and again and again. And then we'll see your face and then we'll be saved. The face of God is our hope. Verse 4 begins to address how we can sometimes feel. Maybe not you, but certainly me. And so he, I mean, I'm just going to paraphrase. Is God angry? Why do I just cry all the time? Why am I treated so poorly by the people around me? Why do I keep getting slammed? God, I mean, have you ever prayed this prayer? God, is this your discipline? Is that what you're doing? Is this conviction? Do I owe you something? I mean, I know we're in a church that believes in redemption and grace, and I'm all for it. But don't we sometimes feel like, gosh, God, I'm on your side. What are you doing? Where did you go? You ever feel like God himself is against you because what you feel is sadness, grief, accusation, shame? Ever feel like God's hiding himself from you? You know that, you know, scripturally, you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son. But it feels really dark around you and maybe even in you. I think what we learned from the psalm this morning is grief is okay as followers of Jesus. It's okay to grieve. In fact, I would say we have to grieve. Remember when I talked about the face, you know? You, you talk to someone, they've just had a deep loss, and they're, they're not just in shock anymore, they're walking through it. And you say, how are you doing? They're saying, I'm fine. That's also scary. Because sometimes what that means is, all this pain I had, I repressed, I shoved down, I'm putting somewhere else, because I can't deal with it. And in fact, we must deal with it. In fact, God calls us to deal with it. Every single funeral that I do, and I've probably done, I don't know, 40, 50, I don't know how many funerals in 22 years, I read this passage, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Paul never says, don't grieve. He assumes grief. He just says, let's make sure 
since we know the whole story, we don't grieve as those without hope. Grieve away, just do it with hope. Grieve knowing that there's a bigger story than you've understood in your life. And what is that hope? That those who die live. Now and eternally, where do they live? Before the face of God. That's where they live. You know, that's what, you know, when we see now in a, in, a, in a glass darkly, but at that point we'll see fully and we will be seen and known. I mean, isn't that like our glory? We get to see Jesus. We won't have any shame. We won't have any pain or fear. There won't be any more tears. We'll just be there before Jesus and he'll show us this is how it all worked. I mean, that's really good news for the grieving. So we grieve with this hope. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. No matter what your life looks like, feels like, is like, turn to God. Call out to God. Cry out to God. And ask Him to shine His face upon you. All of His attributes and His power, His being, His glory, His presence, everything, so that you might be saved. The face of God is our hope. Down to verse 8. Verse 8 recalls the way that God established his people. It's like Asaph, you know, he's going down the line, feeling more and more desperate, and then he says, you know, God, just to remind you, you did a good thing once. Remember that one thing you did? Asaph remembers, but God, you planted this vine. You called these people. You created us. I mean, you were there. You shepherded us. You, if not for you, we wouldn't be, and we certainly wouldn't be fruitful. Do you remember God's work in your life when things begin to look scary, lonely, and bleak? That's a question, but it's really an exhortation. Will you remember God's work in your life when things look scary and lonely and bleak? How many love journaling? Okay, two? No. <laughs> How many hate journaling? How many can't spell journaling? <laughs> However you do it, this is my exhortation. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. I've told this many times, but a pastor of mine in a hard season said to me many years ago, don't forget in the darkness what God showed you in the light. And you know what? We will remember unless we write it down. However you do that so you can remember what God has done. So for Asaph, who's writing this song, I assume in his quiet time one day, he says to God, here's one more request before the refrain. Return to us, God Almighty. So he's been saying, turn us back to you, turn us back to you, turn us back to you. But now he says, God, I'm feeling really desperate. Come back to me. Return to us. Let us know your presence again. I mean, I think he, he knew that God never leaves, but he also knew that I don't fe he didn't feel God's presence. Okay, God, you're here, but I need your closeness. You're here, but I'd like to feel your breath, and I'd like to feel that shepherd's embrace. So he says, look down from heaven and see. Look at my life and my circumstances. 
He says, send people into my life to help me. Jesus, son of man, come to me. I mean, I think that's, that, that's the indication when he's talking about the, the, the man at your right hand, the son of man that you've appointed. He's talking about Jesus. I don't think he knows it. Most of the prophets probably didn't know that as they're writing inspired by the Holy Spirit, they're writing about the coming Messiah. I mean, literally, Asaph is sitting in Advent right there in Psalm 80. And he's saying, come, Lord Jesus. You, you said you would do it. Bring the Messiah. Come, come to us. We need your presence. I remember a time, this is many years ago, but, and I'm not saying I haven't had him since, but many years ago, I was in a particularly dark place. It had a lot to do with my own sin, and I felt like a failure, and I felt scared. And I remember walking around in the town that we lived in, at that time, walking through the streets. And, you know, if it was a movie, it felt like it anyway. It was raining. It was cold. And, and I didn't see a lot of people or cars. And I, I just remember this one particular street. I'm walking down it, and I'm crying out. And here's my prayer. God, is there any redemption for me? That's what I remember saying. God, is there any redemption for me? Maybe Asaph felt that. And maybe you have felt that. And maybe you feel it now. If you don't, you know someone right now who's asking that question. God, is there any redemption for me? Why is our suicide rate so high and only increasing? Because, God, because people that God created and loved are saying, God, is there any redemption for me? And the answer they feel, no. There's only one way out. This, this son at God's right hand, this son, the son of man appointed by God, and we could go all through the New Testament, but this is, as Hebrews 1 says, the exact representation of God. It's Jesus. It's the one who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, John 14. Remember that? Philip's like, show us the Father. It'll be great. And Jesus says, I don't think you get it. Right here. You look at my face, you've seen the Father. You feel my embrace, you felt the embrace of the Father. You've heard my words, you've heard the words of the Father. You see my power, you've seen the power of the Father. You feel my tears, you've seen the, and felt the tears of the Father. That's the one that Asaph and we are calling for. It's a great Advent prayer. You know, the last words in the Bible, the last prayer of the Bible, come Lord Jesus. That's an Advent prayer just like this one. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. You may notice I'm, the paragraph I'm about to say, I keep saying, because I think it's most important. No matter what your life feels like, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it is like, cry out to God. That's Advent. That's the week of hope. Cry out to God. Ask him to turn you back and let his face shine upon you, his power, his presence, his attributes, his character, his whole being, so that you might be saved. Because the face of God is our hope. You ever have, well, I don't know if you're like me. I hope not. Um, I always have a song in my head, constantly. I literally, I wake up with a song in my head. It's, it, 
if I'm talking to you in my office, there's a song in my head. I wish I could turn it off. If you know of a medication to turn it off, give it to me. It's just there all the time. And I don't get to pick it, you know. For like three years, it was a video game ditty from a Game Boy that my kids had. That was hell. <laughs> it's a small world. You want to do that one? <laughs> this would be a good refrain. You want a new song? I think, I think in the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to pick our song. And this would be a good refrain. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. It's a great Advent prayer for us who are longing and believing for hope, asking God to shine his face upon our hopeless places and bring his hope. Okay, let's stand. I'm gonna, we're going to pray together but we're not going to pray together with our hands folded and our eyes closed. We're going to pray real practically and real tangibly. Don't be afraid. You won't have to talk to another human. But we're going to pray with our bodies this morning. Um, and uh, before I explain this, I just want to ask, if you're on the ministry team this morning or you're willing to pray for people, I'm going to ask you to come first and so you can uh, go out to the, to the sides and pray for anyone. Here's what we're going to do. We've done this for a couple of years. It's our practical way to pray for these Advent themes. And this morning, we're going to ask God for hope. You need hope. I need hope. We definitely, corporately, need hope. In this world, we need hope. And there are others that you know, very close to you. Some of, you, some of them, you think of them right now, and you feel this tension, this love, this incapacity to fix or to save or to heal. So what I'm going to ask you to do is come forward and take a, a piece of paper and a pen. You can bring your own pen from if you want to. And I just want you to write your prayers of hope. Just write down on this card your prayers of hope. God, here's where I need hope. God, here's where my spouse needs hope. Here's where my child needs hope. Here's where my parents need help or my friends where my enemies, where they need hope, where anybody needs hope. I just want you to write them down. I want to fill this jar with prayers for hope. And then we got a team of people that will pray over this. And if you want to be on that team, then uh, send me an email or come to me afterwards. We'll get a pile of people to pray for these prayers of hope. You can be as personal in these as you want or as anonymous. God knows every heart longing for hope. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do is to come forward to apply your faith to these prayers, to muster your hope for these prayers, and extend your love to, to God and others in your life with these prayers. Look into the face of God, the face of love, and ask Him to shine His face on your loved ones. So I'm going to ask you to do that now. Come as quickly, thanks Ken, come as quickly as you can, write your prayers, make room. Uh, fill these jars with hope. You can come up on the top. You can write, you can take it back to your seat. This is our ministry time. This is how we, how we apply the message to our lives. We're asking God for ourselves and for these people. God, restore us. Make your face shine upon us so that we might be saved.
We're going to take a few minutes to do this, and then I'm going to come back and pray for us and release this. If after you have written your prayers and put them in this jar right here, and you want someone to pray for you, there'll be some ministry team people along each wall. Just rush the front. Come on forward. Ray, we might need some more little pieces of paper. We got more purple pieces of hope coming. can't find a purple piece of paper, rip anything out. Write it on the back of a check. Just write void on the front. That's not the point. Thanks, there's more. And let me just exhort you one more time. Be bold. Don't hold back. We're talking to the God of the universe. We're asking him to do what only he can do to bring us back to himself, to shine his face on us and save us. If you're in that line, you can come to this line. There's room. Don't be shy. to a close. If you need more time, you want more prayers, you don't have to be limited to one. There's no expiration date on the cry for hope. There's no limit. So maybe you've got more and you're welcome to come. stand and pray. Um, I'm guessing we need hope. The Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would, um, no, we don't ask. We know you'll hear these prayers. We cry out, God, as your people, that you would uh, turn us back to you, restore us and let your face shine upon us and all the people that we've prayed for here that we and they may be saved. Now, just hear the good news of God as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. You want to keep praying? Come on forward. You need prayer from others. Come. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.